come together and spend time in your word. And we thank you for the reminder that everything happens according to your will. The storms that blew in last night, um, the rain that was provided for your earth, for your plants to grow, just everything responding to your will and to your word, Lord. So we do ask that you be with us now as we turn our attention towards you, Lord. Make your, make your presence known. Make your glory shine as we sing, your, uh, sing words and, and study your word that harkens back to you and the things that you've done for us and how deep your love is for us, Lord. We also want to come to you in a moment of silent prayer to just take those things that weigh us down, that, that hold us back from fully seeing you and engaging with you and enjoying the life that you've prepared for us, Lord. We want to take those things and just leave them at the foot of the cross now so that we can come to you with open hearts and open eyes and open minds. We come now in silent prayer. So again, Heavenly Father, all praise be to you for all the many ways in which you bless our lives and in which you love us and guide us and protect us, Lord. Um, again, just be with us now as we turn our attention towards you, and we thank you and praise you in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? 
and all in Him is mine. Alive in Him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. Oh, I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Amazing love, how can it be? But thou, my God, should die for me. Amazing love, how can it be? But thou, my God, should die for me. Uh, would you please be seated? That's all right. I got to switch guitars. I apologize for this break. Talk amongst yourselves for just a minute. The reading this morning comes from Romans 5, 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God chose his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him through the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation.
Dear Lord, as we prepare now to hear your word proclaimed, I pray your spirit will rest upon us, that you will open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to understand your message. I pray also for Pastor Tom, that his words will be from you and of you, Lord, and what is from you will be magnified, and what is not will wash away. I pray also for the children, that their time will be joyful and edifying. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, yeah. No, go ahead. You're doing great. All right. I'm doing great. Just, I've skipped a verse. I, uh, yeah. I forgot you were doing announcements. Skipped verses. And you know how bad it is for a musician to skip I'll a just verse in a song? stand here you and make stand here and comments. stare at me. And, uh, that's all right. All right. So uh, let me see. I'm going to look at what we've got going on. You can see all the announcements up above me. You can also find them at Hope is Real. Oh, by the way, I'm Darden Kaler. I'm the assistant pastor here at Hope Church probably should introduce myself. Yes, it's going to be one of those days, isn't it? Um, anyway, uh, you can find all these announcements at hopeisreal.org. So if you miss something or you want more information, you can go there. Uh, but I just want to highlight just a couple. Uh, building Christ-centered relationships for both men and women. Those are separate groups, but uh, for both men and women, those, uh, those groups are going to be starting soon, right? They, they are, are started. They, they are s- started. They started last week, right? All right. Uh, and so you can see either Pebby about the women's group or Tom about the men's group on those particular things. Uh, Hope Church Tuesday night Zoom Bible study, Proclaiming Christ. Um, you can look at the information there. That is Tuesdays 7 to 8. It's at Zoom. You don't even have to leave your house, and you can still study God's Word. So I highly recommend that as well. Uh, Discover Hope is starting today, three weeks, but we're not doing it all in the next three weeks, are we? We're skipping, that is correct. We're skipping a week here or there. We'll explain the schedule. But if you are interested in finding out more about Hope Church or joining Hope Church, we would encourage you to just I'd encourage you to let Tom know that you're coming, and we'll get that started. Uh, let me see. Hope Church Funeral Helpers. Uh, Saturday, April 29th, we are having a funeral here. Uh, I won't go into the details, but um, if you would be able to help with that, 5.30 to 9 o'clock, we need volunteers to help set up and clean up. Please contact the church office if you are interested in helping for that. Hope Church Elder Lunch, Elder Care Lunch is coming up on April 30th. That is next Sunday, so I highly encourage you to be here. And if you look around you and you see somebody that you think should be here that's not here, call them and remind them, hey, next Sunday is Elder Care. Show up. It's a good idea. What is Elder Care? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the new guy. Do we go to a nursing home? No, 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 no. Although, although I, no, see... Yeah. Anyway, um, that would be that would be it. Elder care is uh, where we get we get it, we break into small groups and we we basically do uh, prayer requests and just kind of what's going on in your lives with an elder. You get an elder that's assigned to you, right? Something yes. Like so so at this time we are you know we just elected new officers. They will be installed soon, uh, at first Sunday in May, I believe. Yes. Um, and. 
so instead of having assigned groups, we're just going to let people have lunch, sit at a table, and eventually an elder or, if necessary, a deacon will show up at your table and lead your group in prayer. So there'll be just time to eat and relate and fellowship, and then it will kind of conclude with prayer. Tom asked me that because I've never actually been to an elder care because this is my first one that y'all are having since I've been here. So it was like, put me on the spot. Uh, two other things there. You will see Hope Church Cinco de Mayo party. How many of you love a good Cinco de Mayo party? Yeah, all right. Really? That few? All right. Come on, come on. Uh, everybody loves a good Cinco de Mayo party, right? So y'all need to plan to invite your friends, plan to come out. We're going to have a Cinco de Mayo party here. You can see that there will be plenty, plenty of activities and things to do and food to eat as well. And then last but not least, Hope Church helps our Cuban family. April, or sorry, May 6th, we will be moving the family into their apartment. So we could use help for that. And you're going to create a list of things. That, that list has been created. Right. It was sent out through an all-church email. Um, so you can review that by clicking on the link that was emailed out and see if there's anything that you have in your home. Pebby? Okay. So that's a clickable link that will take you on our from our website directly to. That's like high tech redneck right there. I don't know if we're ready for that, but uh, yes. And, and now I'm going to invite Pastor Tom to come forward and. Uh, <laughs> Who? You. Um, also, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a youth group meeting tonight at five. 30, I believe, um, and I, that information will go out to those of you who are either in the youth group or helping out with youth group. I will get those details to you, but I just wanted you to know. Um, did you cover the response card, Darden? So if you're visiting with us or if you have any prayer requests, please communicate those with us, and you can just put them on this card, drop it in the bucket on your way out. We will take it from there. Um, also, uh, just thought I would point out, um, you were recently in that last song, uh, blessed by the ministry of a woman that passed away in 1915, um, and her name is Fanny Crosby. Fanny was, um, just an incredible woman and really, really gifted in the, artistry of writing hymns, both the poetry and the music, um, and uh, just a gifted hymn writer, and uh, sometimes she puts things into words that uh, are hard you know, to express, and um, just thought you should know, she's, she was, lived to be like 95, she was born in 1820, and um, just a long life of, of ministry and service, and uh, the putting into use of her gifts. So I just thought you should know that's who, that's who blessed you on that last song. Um, all right. Why don't we have all of the important people come down to the front? If you are in fifth grade or younger, we invite you down for our children's chat at this time before you go to Hope for Kids. Good morning. How are y'all doing? Good. It's good to see you. You feeling good? You look good. So that's a good start.
All right. Um, let's see. What if I told you there was $100 underneath this stage and you could have it if you could get to it? What would you do? You, you would get a shovel and start... You're already rich of the knowledge of God, therefore no need to assert yourself in something silly like that. Okay. You would give it to people that need it, okay? But what if it was underneath this stage and you had to get it from underneath the stage if you could have it? You wouldn't ruin the stage? What if it was $1,000? 10,000? 100,000? A million dollars. You wouldn't destroy this stage for a million dollars? Are you sure? I would. I'd do it right now in front of God and everybody. Let's go. You could tunnel under. Without destroying the stage, another good idea, except that's solid limestone down there. So, okay. So if you, want, if, you, if you wanted it just to give it to other people, if you wanted, what would you have to do? A what? A buff man. Where, where would you find that, Pipes? Your dad? I don't think so. Okay. So, there is, there is a treasure that is waiting for you that is underneath something that you cannot remove. That treasure is God's grace, right? And what sits on top of that treasure is our sin. Now, can you undo something you did? No, you cannot. And so if we sin or when we sin, we, we place something on top in the way of a treasure that God wants for us. And how... Do we get to that treasure of God's grace and forgiveness if our sin is in the way? How do we do that? I got a Bible verse for you. All right. So this is from the New Testament, from the book of Hebrews, and it says, Under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So how is sin taken away? By what? Sounds weird. A 
I'll read it again. Under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. What takes away our sin? Caden. Jesus, and specifically, what part of Jesus? His blood. I told you it sounded weird. All right, good job, Zos. Here, you want a gold star? What color do you want? Green, blue, silver? Silver. Everyone deserves a gold star. You want what you want? You want green, blue, silver, red, gold, gold. Who else wants a star? Hold your hand out. There you go. What color? Gold. I'm gonna run out of gold. That's okay. All right. Whoop! Where'd the green one come from? How about a green one? What color? What? Clover? Silver. Silver. I'm deaf. I'm sorry. I'm old. There you go. Got it. What color do you want, Mila? Gold. I'm going to pray for your mother. Blue? All right. Anybody else? Did you get one? What color do you want? Gold. Yep. All right, you got to come up here. Yeah. So, you're right. Our sins are taken away by the blood of Jesus. So, to get to the, to the grace and forgiveness of God, we have to have the blood of Christ, the blood of Jesus. That's what takes away our sin. I know it sounds gross, right? But how would I ask this question? If someone gave up their life to save your life, how would you feel about that? Very, very happy? Your nose was bleeding last night, so you know all about blood. Yeah. You would feel grateful. You would feel um, loved, right? And Jesus, Jesus loves you. That's why he was willing to let his blood be shed. His life was given so that you could be forgiven. You could have life that lasts forever. All right. Let's pray. Can we do that? All right. Dear God, we thank you that your son loved us so much that he gave up his own life and shed his precious and sinless blood that we could be forgiven and have eternal life with you. Lord, we know that um, that was not easy for Jesus to do, but we also know that he did it because he loves us. So help us, Lord, to remember all that you have done for us, to know that you love us, that you, your blood brings us forgiveness and grace that lasts forever. Help us to live in such a way that our joy, your joy, flows out through us into the hearts and lives of those around us. Fill these children with your Holy Spirit as they study more of your word in Hope for Kids. Uh, fill them with your spirit and guide them into a deeper understanding of how much you love them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a great time in Hope for Kids.
We are in a series of messages uh, right now uh, coming out of our Easter service where we looked at this New Testament idea of fulfillment that Jesus, who was the Jewish Messiah in, in many, many ways, in every way, really, was the fulfillment of all of the scriptures that were written prior to his arrival. That Jesus brought about the fulfillment of all of God's promises in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, and in his ascension to the right hand of God the Father. And so as we, as we looked at that idea of fulfillment, um, as sort of the first principle of, of the New Testament, we're just trying to look at New Testament themes in their simplest form. And so we started with fulfillment, and then we looked last week at the idea of the kingdom, this subject that Jesus talked about more than anything else. He talked about the kingdom of God. And it was a constant theme in his teaching, and it was the uh, fulfillment of God's promises to David that he would have an eternal kingdom. And so then this week, we're going to look at this New Testament concept of atonement, which is also an Old Testament concept, um, but we're going to look at it specifically as it was realized in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so this week, our focus is the idea of atonement. I'll give you the, the disclaimer in advance. Um, every verse we're going to read either talks about blood or death in some way. So just know that up front. This is, this is a bloody Sunday, um, but there's a purpose. There's a reason that we're talking about this. And so I'm going to just open us with a word of prayer, and then we will get started. God, our loving Father, we come before you as we open your word. We pray that you would open our hearts and that you would speak to us this morning through the power and presence of your Holy Spirit working in and through your word in our hearts. Fill us, grow us more and more into the men and women of God that you created us to be. As we come before you in this way, we lay at the foot of your cross the burdens of our hearts that we might be more free to encounter you here through your word this morning. We give to you those relationships in our lives that are strained. We pray for peace and reconciliation where it is needed. We lift to you those whom we know and love who are sick, who are recovering from medical procedures or facing uncertain diagnoses. We pray your healing mercies upon them. I lift especially to you this morning uh, my mom as she is recovering from pneumonia, and we just pray your full and complete healing over her body. Lord, we lift to you those whom we know and love who are grieving. And we pray your comfort over them. Uh, I pray especially for the family of Mike McCloskey this week that you would just pour out your comfort over their hearts in the loss of their patriarch. And we just pray um, you would be close to each of them in their grief. Lord, we lift to you this nation, its leaders at every level of government elected and appointed, and we pray for wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. We lift up our men and women in uniform who serve to protect and defend our freedoms as Americans. We pray that you would watch over and protect them 
We pray especially for those who are in harm's way, and we ask that you would bring them home safely. Lord, we pray for those who've returned home from their service changed, and we pray your healing over them, mind, body, and soul. Use us, your people, to minister that grace and healing to them. And Lord, uh, we lift up your church here at Hope and around the world. We pray for those churches to whom we are connected through our denomination and through our missions giving. We pray your blessing upon all of those works of your spirit that are worshiping you today. We lift up Paul and Elizabeth Branch in Guatemala City. We lift up John and Diane Davis in Laredo, Texas. We lift to you uh, Pastor Miguel and his wife Tatiana, who have faithfully served for so long at our sister church in Camajuani, Cuba. We lift up Pastor Roberto at our sister church, and we pray your blessing over him. We lift up Pachi Quesada and his wife Marilyn as they serve you in Havana, Cuba. We lift to you Robbie and Joyce Hamd as they continue to support uh, your ministries in Beirut, Lebanon. And we lift to you Monica and Benjamin Bailey in the Middle East, and we just pray your blessing over all those young works. We lift to you uh, the church plants that are taking place in Texas, in New Braunfels, in Austin, and in Dallas, and we pray your blessing over those works. We pray you would be with us now through the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, atonement is what we're going to kind of focus on this morning, and it is a concept that comes from the Old Testament. It is a very basic idea, and almost every culture on earth has in its roots, in its origins, some story of the shedding of blood, the giving of a life for the sake of redemption or healing or wholeness or something. This is an ancient, ancient story that we are tapping into in this concept. And the Old Testament is no exception. God, um, there were sacrifices from the very beginning of God's relationship with sinful humankind. When Adam and Eve left the garden, the Bible says their bodies were covered by skins of animals. And there's only one way to get that. Um, it's through a sacrifice. And so this idea that one, the redemption of one life is brought about by the sacrifice of another. This is a very, very ancient concept. And I will say just up front, uh, you know, the ancient world was far more comfortable with blood than we are. You know, we buy our meat under uh, cellophane, right? And it looks pretty. Um, and we put a little diaper in the bottom to absorb the blood so we never have to see it or touch it or smell it or whatever, right? And uh, so... In the ancient world, that was not the case. No HEBs, um, just animals that were alive, and then they weren't. And then all that ensues from that point forward, which inevitably involves blood. And so every child growing up would have seen this rhythm in their family's life on a daily, if not weekly, basis. 
every person would have understood that for them to sustain life, an, another life would have to be given. And so we come to this system that God sets up in the Old Testament under Moses, where there will now be daily sacrifices made in, uh, at his altar. And the altar of God uh, was a grill. I'm not making this up. This isn't silliness. Um, it was actually a, a, a metal grate over which, under which there were coals and upon which sacrificed animals would be laid and cooked. And then most of that animal would be consumed either by the priest and or by the party that brought the animal. You would bring, say, a lamb. It would be slain, cleaned, laid on the altar to cook, and then part of that would be given as the priest's portion, and part of that would come back to you and your family. And you would eat that as a sort of a sacramental meal to understand that the life of another was spent for your sake, for your sustenance, and so, and for the forgiveness of your sin. And so there was this idea embedded in the Old Testament that life brings life, that the end of one life provides redemption for another life. And of course, all of this, and we'll see this in, in the scriptures we're going to read this morning, is pointing to the one sacrifice that will end all of this uh, continual sacrificial activity. So I'm going to just, we're going to bounce through a few passages. We're going to go Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, and then we're going to kind of hang out in the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews for a little while, um, and then read one last passage from Hebrews before we uh, dive into what all this means. But uh, from Leviticus chapter 17, God is explaining to Moses the sacrificial system. He's setting it up. Here are the animals that I want sacrificed. Here are the reasons. Here's the, here's the way this is going to work. And in the middle of this um, description, God says this in verse 11 of Leviticus 17. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So this idea that the life of one, the life of an innocent one, that lifeblood from an innocent animal uh, can be sort of symbolic of the forgiveness that we need as sinful people. Then uh, Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then I'm going to jump back to Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. It's really verse 2 that I want to focus on here. But um, just for the context, uh, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Then Hebrews 9.22, this is from the New Testament, and it says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. 
And then excerpts from Hebrews chapter 10. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And then from Hebrews 13, verses 11 and 12, For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate, in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. All right. Told you it was bloody. Um, That's okay. We'll get through this. Um, So, in antiquity, in the Jewish community, in the context of their culture, there was embedded in their understanding of their relationship with God, that they had sinned, they had transgressed, they were not a holy people. God was a holy God. And that this accumulation of sinfulness was something that separated them from the presence of God, from the connection, the love, the thriving life that God wants for his children. And so there is... um, this also embedded idea that a blameless life, a life that doesn't deserve death, can be brought to the altar and sacrificed, and that that sacrifice is somehow an atonement for our uncleanness. It washes us, it cleanses us, it restores us to right relationship with God. And of course, um, there was a verse I didn't have room for, but it was Hebrews 10, verse 4, which simply says, if I can paraphrase it, the blood of bulls and goats can never take away a human sin. Like this was always understood that all of these sacrifices were just pointing to a someone, a sometime that God would bring about the end of all these sacrifices. And so, We first, if we're going to understand this idea of atonement, which is one of the central ideas of the New Testament and the Old Testament for that matter, um, if we're going to understand atonement, we first need to just simply understand the symbolism. What's with all this blood? What is the meaning 
of, of the blood that is part of this idea of atonement. Um, to see the meaning of the blood, we, we read these scriptures in Leviticus and Romans and Isaiah, and we understand that it is God who brings light and life. He is, he, he is the author of both, of that which brings understanding and that which is uh, the thriving component of living. He is the one who breathes life into this world. He is the one who created light, who created life, who sustains it, and he put into the blood of his creation life. And, and we all know intuitively when that blood stops flowing, uh, we are sad that, that someone whom we loved is no longer alive. And that is just very much embedded in, in this ancient idea of atonement, that blood is a symbol of light and life. And it is, it is fascinating to me that ancient people understood this, right? They didn't know what a circulatory system was. Uh, they didn't even really know how a heart worked. Um, but they knew that when that blood stopped flowing, life was gone. This is a very basic idea. So God is the author of light and life. Evil brings about darkness and death. The first death that Adam and Eve witnessed when they, after they had sinned and God came to them in the garden, the first death that they witnessed was the death of those animals by which they were covered with their skin. And they had to immediately realize our sin has consequences. And God had told them not to eat of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And so Adam and Eve stood there realizing what had just happened and what they had done. And instead of witnessing their own death, they witnessed the death of these two animals. As if to say, there will be one who does not deserve to die, who will die in your stead to redeem you, to forgive you, to atone for your sin. Evil brings darkness and death. Sin brings separation from God. These are the fundamental components of understanding the symbolism of atonement, that God is the author of light and life, Evil brings about darkness and death, and our sin brings about separation from God. We have to see the meaning of the blood, and we have to see the importance of blood in the spiritual equation of our salvation. That since the very beginning, there has been this understanding that, that innocent, blameless blood can atone for or at least point to forgiveness that innocent blood brings forgiveness this is the idea that God is building into the fabric of the culture of his people that we sin that sin separates us from God and the only thing that can wash that sin away is the blood of one who doesn't deserve it and so there you have um, sort of the fundamental setup
for understanding the symbolism of blood. And then in seeing the importance, we see that innocent blood brings forgiveness. And we also see that animals, the blood of animals, cannot actually atone for human sin. You'll see that in Romans 10.4 and again in Romans 10 verse 11. So there it is, sort of in its totality. This God is setting us up to understand that we are in need of atonement, that we are um, not holy, not righteous, not perfect, etc. And we need to be washed by innocent blood in order to find forgiveness and wholeness and life and joy. And so that process begins with claiming the blood of Christ, that there is in Scripture a place that we can turn our hearts and find this forgiveness, this atonement, this washing of our sin. And so claiming the blood of Christ begins with accepting his sacrifice. And I'm just going to read again Hebrews 10, verses 12 through 14, where it says, When Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering... He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Sanctified is a, is a fancy Latin word that means to be made holy. That's all it means. So you are being made holy by the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, the shedding of his blood for your forgiveness, the washing away of your sins. And it is... <clears throat> into that state of forgiveness and grace that he brings us. But it is important to note that his sacrifice is complete. It is perfect. It is whole. It is entire. It is enough. And as he said from the cross, and we, we talked about this Easter Sunday, among his dying words was the phrase, it is finished. It is finished. Your forgiveness is complete. It is done. You're in. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're okay. You're safe. And this is, um, I, I, I marvel, and, and I, I don't, uh, I try to be respectful of other faiths, other traditions, um, of all humanity, right? That's a, that's a Christian quality that we respect other people. Um, and so when I say this, I don't mean any disrespect by it. But Jesus probably died within three years of the year A.D. 30. Okay, Somewhere in that window from A.D. 27 to A.D. 33, somewhere in there is, is when he died. Forty years later, give or take three years, in 70 A.D., the Roman government was, um, well, they'd had enough of trying to uh, up, sort of appease the Jewish people 
And what I mean by that is they had, they had for a long time, Rome had come in, they'd said, we are politically in charge, but we're not going to force you to give up your God and recognize the divinity of Caesar because we can see you've got a pretty uh, tight system here. So as long as you pay your taxes and you don't give us too much trouble, we will let you continue to worship as you see fit. In 70 AD, there had been so many Jewish uprisings and revolts and failures to pay taxes that the Romans said, okay, that's it. And they didn't just shut down the temple, and they didn't just tear down the temple. They pulled the temple apart, and they, and they, they pulled apart its foundation and hauled it away. Like, you are never going to have a worship service here again. Your altar will go, the coals will die out, and there will never be a sacrifice here again. And the reason that is significant is the only way that makes sense in the scheme of God is if the Jewish Messiah has already come and has already made the final sacrifice for the forgiveness of the sins of God's people. And he did in 30 A.D., give or take a few years. Um, that work was finished. It was complete. And it is my assessment that that temple will never be rebuilt, that altar will never burn again, that that holy place is done because the Holy One, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, laid down his life on a cross and spilled his blood for your atonement. One sacrifice, eternally valid and forever complete. His work is finished. Your forgiveness is secure. You are God's chosen person, redeemed, love, restored, given life eternal. He gave everything you need for your forgiveness, and he covers you with his sinless blood. So, in the Old Testament, when, when, a, when a, an animal was brought into the temple to be sacrificed, the person bringing it, who represented not just himself, but a, a, an entire tribe his family of people would lay his hands on the head of that animal. And this is a transference of identity. It is saying that this animal now represents me. And then that animal would be slain. The blood would be uh, splattered with, with purpose. And then the animal would, would, the sacrifice would be completed. And of course that had to be repeated over and over again. And Jesus is saying, when you, when you put your faith in me, when you say a prayer that just simply says, Lord, forgive me, by your blood, forgive me, you are placing your hands upon Jesus' head and sending him to the cross, and he, he lovingly goes there on your behalf to atone for your sin to redeem you, to restore you, to give you eternal life. You are covered. 
when you accept his sacrifice. And then, as Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 says, you can live with confidence. Confidence that you now live in the power of his blood. The blood of one who did not deserve to die. An innocent, holy one who gave his blood on your behalf. That blood is divine and it is human, and its power changes everything. It moves you from condemned to forgiven, to free, to loved. It changes your very identity. We can live in the power of his blood, and we can live from a restored heart. Listen to verses 21 and 22 in Romans chapter 10. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This idea... So, <clears throat> I, had, I had two daughters, have two daughters. Um, when they were young... I can tell you I never said to them, well, just follow your heart. Because that's a really dangerous thing to say to anyone, much less a four-year-old, right? Do you know what God says to you? He says, follow your heart. I have atoned for your sin. You are forgiven you are loved, you are cherished, your heart has been redeemed, it's been changed, it's been transformed. Follow your heart. My spirit lives there. No, we will not do this perfectly. We will not. That's not what it's about. But God takes the dangerous step of saying to his children, follow your heart. Everything you need is right there. I have transformed your heart. You can live from that place, that strength, that source of life and love. Live from your restored heart. Think about the difference between living from your heart and living out of fear. When our decisions are made on the basis of what we are afraid of, we are not free. When our decisions are made on the basis of, of the heart that God has redeemed, we are living in freedom, in grace, in love, in truth. We are to live with confidence by the power of his blood from a restored heart and by faith in his faithfulness. Listen to verses 22 and 23 together. Let us draw near with a true heart and assurance, full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. It is God's faithfulness that is the basis of our faith that he will fulfill his word, his promises, his grace will be made manifest within us 
whether we like it or not. Um, This idea that we are redeemed because of God's infinite will as as it says in the Gospel of John, not by the will of man, but by the will of God, you have been forgiven. You have been redeemed. You have been restored into right relationship with God. That gives us confidence. And And I'll say it this way. I am a fickle soul. If my salvation was based upon my choosing God, guess what? I could unchoose him. And guess what? I do on a regular basis, right? And so our faith is based upon the faithfulness of God, his will, his call, his blood, his love, his redeeming arm. And so we can claim that blood, accept his sacrifice, and live with confidence. And we are called then to invest in his body, to be a part of his family, to roll up our sleeves and express our gratitude for all that he has done to bring about our redemption. And investing in his body means that we are to be Christ for others. That is, the one who brings life and light, who inspires love in others, and who does good in this world. That our Savior did not redeem us to leave us sitting in these chairs. He redeemed us to get us up off of our bums and out into the world and showing this dark and hurting world what divine love looks and feels like. We are called to be Christ to others and to come together. In spite of our flaws, in spite of our opinions, in spite of our differences, we are called to come together to worship well, to render back unto God some expression of the gratitude we have for his grace. We, when we worship, we are to celebrate that his blood has overcome our sin. That should be the echo that resonates through these walls and out into the world, that we are grateful that we are humbled, that we are transformed by the blood of another. We worship well, and we encourage with purpose. That we show to each other support, care, love. And we do this for a reason, because the day is coming. And I want you to think about this. I, I, I lost a good friend this week, a couple of them actually, um, but uh, 
Uh, I'm thinking specifically about Mike, who will have a service here for his wife, asked if they could have the service here, and I said, of course. Um, and that'll be this coming Saturday. But one of his favorite subjects when we would sit around and talk about life was heaven. Was what happens when this body gives up? When the blood stops flowing? What happens? And Mike was a, a, a deeply um, sincere Christian um, not a very good churchgoer, but a, but an incredible Christian, um, and uh, whoops. So we would talk about this this state that we enter into upon death, where our souls are reunited with our Creator, as Jesus said to the thief on the cross, "Surely this day." you will be with me in paradise. You will be taken from this body. Your soul will be caught up, and you will enter into the presence of the divine, of love. Some euphoric, indescribable union of that part of you that matters the most. And you won't care about what's going on here. You will still love the people you love. But you will be caught up, raptured, if you will. Changed. Your perspective will never be the same. And all of the insanity of this world just fade away. And you will know once and for all what that blood accomplished for you. It took away all the darkness, all the pain, all the death, all the sickness, all the sorrow. And it replaced it with the eternal, living light and love of God. What else matters? So I'm a little bit jealous of Mike. Um, but this is what our atonement gains for us. That giving of the life of our Messiah, who did not deserve to die, that we could be forgiven, redeemed, restored, and have life eternal. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we are humbled by your word, and we are further humbled by the gift of your Son. That you would let him go to come into this world and to offer up his life, his blood, 
the one who did not deserve to die as a sacrifice that would atone and forgive and redeem and restore our wayward souls, that you would transform our hearts and have the guts to tell us to live from our, our redeemed hearts. Lord, my heart is a messy place, and I don't feel it's safe, but you have redeemed it, and you trust it. You have inhabited my heart with your spirit. You've changed me forever. And so, Father, help us to live from our hearts, to listen to your spirit, to know your love and to show your love, to be those who shine your light and spread the gift of life throughout this world, that there would be hope, faith, and love eternal. And the greatest of these is love. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. One, two, three, four.
Good morning. My name is Scott Lawler. I'm one of the elders here at Hope Church, and we now come to our time of offertory. This is a time where we reflect on the message that Tom gave. Um, here at Hope Church, we do not pass a plate. We believe that financial giving is something personal between you and God. We do have ways for you to give electronically. We also have a bucket in the back. It's also a time if you have prayer requests. We take those very seriously as an elder team, and any requests you have, we ask that you turn those in so that we may pray with you about whatever concerns you have. This is a time to reflect not just of our financial givings, but our time and talent. You heard earlier in the announcements, there's many ways you can connect here at Hope Church and give back to God. We all have different talents that we have. When I think of this message, one of the things that struck me was animals cannot atone for a human sin, which means there was no way I could do this on my own. There's nothing I can do to take care of my sins. And it required God to give his son as an atonement. One of the things when we're working with the youth, we teach them that any verse you are looking at needs to point to the cross, and you need to come to that connection. Atonement's all about the cross. It's about God giving his son for us, and knowing that that sacrifice on the cross, though it occurred once, it, take care, it takes care of all of our sins. Unlike in the Old Testament where you constantly were going to the temple to sacrifice an animal because Jesus was not only human, he was God, that sacrifice took care of every sin up to the cross and every sin that's going to occur after the cross. So as the music plays, take a moment to reflect how you can give back to God. We can never give back for what he has given us, but how are you this week going to take a step forward and give back to him? Dear Heavenly Father, you love us so much. You sacrificed your Son for each one of us because you loved us. Allow us to show our love back to you, to each other, to be able to show that we care, that we love others just as you have loved us. In your Son's precious name we pray. Amen. We'd like to invite all of you at this time to go ahead and stand as we close our worship in one last song. Those on, June, on Zoom, rather, go ahead and join us. Let's, uh, let's praise God here.
says, Arise, 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 my soul, arise, God. Yes. We um, come to this point in our service. This, this is not the end. This is the beginning. This is the point at which you leave this place and you take with you God's blessing, God's love, God's truth, God's light and you spread it around in this crazy world. And so he wants you to leave here with his blessing, that these words will take root within you, that they will grow and develop not only inside of you, but in how they are expressed through you, that these words would be your words to give shape to how you see yourself, your creator, and those around you. Will you hear these words of blessing and let them into your heart and let them give shape to who you are and to how you live. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. May you go in his peace. Christ over sinners weep and shall our cheeks be dry. Let floods of penitential grief burst forth from every eye. Burst forth from every
tender be our hearts, our eyes in sorrow dim. Till every tear from me. 